What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Running Standard Podcast here on 49ers Time. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. We're here to talk some 49ers, some training camps, some injuries. First things first, Anthony, how you doing over there in the East Bay? You staying cool and dealing with this horrible air quality from these fires? Dude, the stuff going on with the fires has been absolutely wild. At some point in the afternoon today, the air quality... So you know how on your iPhones and stuff like that, it'll give you all the like weather information on the weather app and it shows like air quality and stuff. It hit 200 today in the East Bay. I'm not even necessarily too close to the fires, but the smoke has just been coming over the hill so much. It just made it really bad today. And I'm not a sensitive breather, but man, I had the double mask going on today and I know that doesn't necessarily do too much, but shoot, at least I feel comfortable. <laughs> but in any event though, Niners training camp happened today. There's a significant injury that happened that we'll get into later, but also a lot of good news that came out of camp. It sounds like a lot of guys are making very good progress with their own game. And obviously it's just training camp, so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But the guys we're going to talk about today are definitely guys you want to hear are taking steps in the right direction. So let's get a pop in, Zach. I'm ready to talk. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there. Training camp. Um, it's been going on for a few days now. Unfortunately, the 49ers have been hit by the injury bug yet again. But before we get into that, what are your initial impressions of training camp? What stood out to you the most? Or what are you kind of bummed that you haven't really seen from, from a player yet? You know what, Zach? I'm actually not too bummed out so far. We haven't heard anything too necessarily bad happening outside of guys getting dinged up with injuries, which is expected. You know, these guys have been working out during the offseason, but it's not like they've actually been working out with other players and, you know, doing the actual motions of football practice. So the injuries kind of come with, again, a grain of salt also, but I don't mind. I know these guys are going to come back and come back strong outside of Jalen Hurd, Torres ACL. But nah, man, my impression so far is that I have heard a lot of good things about the wide receivers. And this is just outside of guys like Ayuk and even Debo Samuel, who's who's training, who is practicing off on the sidelines, who's getting his work in, even though he's hurt. We've been hearing a lot of good news from guys like Dante Pettis, who's been tearing it up. Trent Taylor has been tearing it up. Kendrick Bourne had a really good day today. I know Jawan Jennings has looked really good as well. And it feels like almost the entire wide receiver room is just bawling out. And this isn't even talking about any of the other guys who have performed well. I'm specifically talking about the wide receivers. This was one of the biggest question marks coming into this season is how are the wide receivers going to perform? There's still a lot of question marks. There's no real veteran. I think the longest tenured receiver on the team was Kendrick Bourne, and he's been on the team for four seasons. That's not exactly ideal when it comes to veteran leadership. But I guess when it comes to the wide receivers, you don't necessarily need you know, that 29, 30, 31-year-old wide receiver to lead the young guys. You just need a leader. And it seems like Kendrick Bourne is taking that step because he's been balling out so far. Like I said, I think he had the best day today out of all the receivers. And that's on top of guys like Pettis and Taylor who are already having really good training camps. So my biggest impression out of every group and everything, Zach, is that the wide receivers are by far what seems to be the most impressive. That's that's huge because everybody was kind of saying after the 49ers let Manuel Sanders walk, who's going to step up? Um, there was talk in the offseason. Debo was saying he's going to become the leader. He's not really uh, a leader, like a physical leader. He's not comfortable kind of being the spoken guy in the locker room who's going to stand up and give a speech. 
but he's more comfortable showing you with his actions. Debo's been out. He's been injured, like you said. He's kind of rehabbing on his own. So it is kind of crazy to think of all the people, KB, who is kind of like a giant kid. I mean, Coach Shanahan said himself he thinks of KB like he thinks of his son, which was hilarious, but he is a vet. I mean, I forget. What is this? Like year four, I think, for KB? Uh, he came in the first year that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were here. He was that first class of uh, undrafted free agent signings. So to think of him as a vet is kind of crazy. But, it, I mean, it, that's what he is now, especially compared to all these younger guys. The thing that's kind of stood out to me the most, I would say, is Jimmy Garoppolo. We've heard some things from him that he's getting more comfortable. We'll talk about him uh, without his brace a little later. But the main thing that kind of stood out is it looks like, it really does look like he's been working on that deep ball with a little more touch on it, a little more accuracy. And that's kind of been the biggest area of need for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, a lot of people are going to point to that Super Bowl overthrow against Manuel Sanders. It may be rightfully so, but it looks like he has been working on that and he's been trying to improve. And I think people kind of forget, even though a lot of people like myself and, and you are shouting from the mountaintops, this is going to be his second year as a starter. He's only had one full year as a starter under his belt. So it's going to take some time for the guy to get, get his footing and get used to the NFL. Um, so I think this year he's going to show a nice improvement. And like I said, we'll get into that a little later. Um, now, Anthony, you did touch on, unfortunately, the 49ers got bit by the injury bug yet again. The biggest name to be injured has to be wide receiver Jalen Hurd. People were so hyped to see him. I saw a video on YouTube that had like 50, 60,000 views. The forgotten NFL star Jalen Hurd, you know, people have been hyping this guy up since he got injured. How much will his injury actually affect the 49ers? Well, I got to say this, Zach, and I'm not trying to knock Jalen Hurd, but if they got the job done without him last season, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they can move forward without him again this season. And obviously that's going to be the case. But at the same time, I do feel bad for the young kid. He's had a long track record of injury history since high school. I know he's had a bunch of back problems, shoulder problems, leg problems. Now he has a torn ACL. Not exactly the ideal look when you're a third-round pick a couple years ago. But in any event, though, I think it won't affect the team super significantly. But you have to admit that with Jalen Hurts' skill set, we saw people say, oh, he can line up as a slot receiver. He can line up outside. He can line up as a tight end. He can line up as a running back. He can do all sorts of things. We've kind of been waiting for Kyle Shanahan to show us who that real Swiss Army knife of a player can be. And it feels like we haven't necessarily had that quite yet. And again, I get it. You have guys like George Kittle who do line up in the running back position, who also line up obviously as a tight end, but he's also lined up in the slot and outside. So he's kind of the guy to do it all. But I'm talking more about like a more natural wide receiver, I guess. And I guess Jalen Hurd is a running back, so I can't really count him either. But to bring a guy in who does have more wide receiver experience than George Kittle at the physical position, losing that does suck because, again, Jalen Hurd would have brought a different dynamic to this offense that the team doesn't really have outside of George Kittle in terms of the guy who can kind of move around everywhere for the offense. So, yeah, losing Hurd does suck. I don't think it'll dramatically affect the Niners offense going forward because it's Kyle Shanahan, man. He can make anything work. But you you do have to figure that Jalen Hurd was in his plan, was in that playbook where he had probably had a lot of specific play designs for Jalen Hurd, 
and he has to throw them all away for this season. And I will say that it definitely affects Shanahan more than anyone. That's a good point because it had been a year and they drafted this guy. I think they drafted him knowing he was going to be a project. Uh, like you said, he had been injured going back to since he was a teenager, pretty much. Um, it was injury after injury. I think Shanahan knew that he was kind of taking a risk here and he probably realized that the reward was greater than the risk. If it happened to work out, he was going to look really, really good on the field and in Shanahan's system. If it didn't work out, you know, hey, swing and a miss, man. We'll we'll try again next time. But I think that you made the best point in they got to the Super Bowl and they got roughly five, six minutes away from winning the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurt in their lineup. So how much can he really affect them, especially when they added first-round wide receiver talent again this year? I mean, it, it, although you can make the argument that they would be that much better with Jalen Hurd, I don't know if you can necessarily make the argument that they're taking a step back because he's not going to be on the field. Um, I, I said it on our YouTube show, Niners News, with Matt Llewellyn. We don't really know what a 49ers offense looks like with Jalen Hurd. We saw a little bit of, of it in preseason last year, but how much of preseason football is your actual offense? You show a couple of plays that you might try and test it to put into the regular season plans. Most of it's vanilla stuff you're never going to call again. So we don't really know what that looks like um, to have him in the offense and then to not have him in the offense. So I can't say it's going to affect them too much, but I it, I mean, it's like having a, a, a garage full of sports cars and one of them's not there. You know, you're still okay. You're still going to have a, a plethora of other ones to choose from. And the 49ers have done a really, really good job of surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo with receiving weapons. Um, Ayuk, Debo, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor's coming back from injury. Uh, even Dante Pettis, who I think is going to have a resurgence this year. I'm going out on a limb and saying it now. Um, and also, of course, George Kittle. They went and signed Jordan Reed. Which is, I was kind of thinking about it today. Why did they wait to sign Jordan Reed? He had kind of been out there this whole offseason. And then I know where they went and signed him. Just, just random thought, food for thought. Um, now, Anthony, they also had, unfortunately, some other injuries. The offensive line is like a game of uh, musical chairs right now. People are getting shuffled everywhere. The center's retiring, opting out. It, it's, it's all over the place. And then on top of all of that, we found out today and from training camp practice, DJ Jones reportedly injured his shoulder. We don't have any uh, further news as to how injured and how serious that injury is. Do these injuries worry you? Man, Zach, you know, the problem with it is that I can already visualize the storylines for the Niners going into the season. And after week four, where some linemen's going to get hurt, whether it's on the OL or DL, and it's going to be like, do the Niners have the depth to compete? That defensive line just lost a huge piece. Can they keep moving forward? Or Trent Williams is going to be out for a few weeks. He has a hand injury or something. Can they survive that tackle with Daniel Brunskill or, or whoever it's going to be? It's going to be a very rough stretch. And maybe maybe it's just because it's early in camp now and guys are working back into shape. So that's kind of what I'm holding on to. But at the same time, too, even if someone just – I know this is out of the position, but Jalen Hurd, who gets hurt, who is injury-prone, it kind of sucks because if guys like DJ Jones, who was very injury-prone this past season, is getting hurt now, and I get it, it's soft tissue injuries. These guys are working back into shape. But 
we already saw DJ Jones get hurt once. If he's getting hurt like this again, and this probably isn't even these guys going 100% into practice, that is more concerning to me than anything coming into the regular season where these guys aren't going to be able to play any preseason games to really truly get the feel of the game back and work themselves back into shape. And that's not to say that DJ Jones isn't going to play or that the next time he steps on the field, he will get hurt. But it's kind of stuck in your mind that if he's getting hurt now, you got to wonder if he's going to be durable enough to last for the whole season or even half the season. DJ Jones was a very vital piece for the Niners' success when he was healthy. He was a very elite, dominant force up in the center of that D-line. And losing him once again, I don't. he's not a replaceable defensive lineman. Let's, let's put it that way. Chris Kosierik and Robert Salah know how to interchange those defensive linemen, but you saw how fast DJ Jones is. You saw how fast he works his hands, his lower body. He bullies centers and interior linemen like it's nothing. And you can't necessarily replace that, even if you have guys like Bosa and Armstead and Ford all across the D-line. So, yeah, this injury does worry me quite a bit, Zach. But, again, I that's kind of my thing for the night is, like, I'm going to take things with a grain of salt for now. It is training camp. These guys do have to work themselves back in. But, shoot, dude, if he's getting hurt now like he got hurt last season, that, that defensive line depth is going to – definitely be challenged, especially if D Ford gets hurt again too. Maybe Armstead's uh, stiff back like he has now might act up. Who knows? Anything happens once the season starts, dude. And I think the defensive line getting hurt is just as bad, if not more concerning than the offensive line. But that's a totally different debate. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, it's it's concerning because like you said, one, DJ Jones was a vital part of the 49ers run defense last year. Um, he he was so good that there was a noticeable difference when he was out due to injury. Um, and, and the fact that I would say people were hyping him up not quite as much as Jalen Hurd, but the people who who really do, you know, watch football inside and out and, and watch tape and know the X's and O's know just how vital DJ Jones was to the 49ers success last season. And I mean, like you said, there's, there's not really too much information out on his injury just yet. As we're recording this podcast, hopefully it's nothing too serious and it's a couple of weeks max and he's able to be there when the season starts or if, you know, at most a game or two, but if, if that's another serious injury, the 49ers, they're gotta be kind of getting concerned here because that's two major injuries to two players who had big roles kind of uh, scheduled for them this upcoming season. So it's unfortunate, but we just got to keep our fingers crossed and hope that it's nothing too serious. As far as the offensive line, I'm not too worried about it because last season I think showed how versatile these offensive linemen are. But at the same time, just because they they can play that position doesn't mean they necessarily should play that position um, and we saw some of them get kind of bullied uh, when they were playing out of position. So it is a bit concerning. I'm not going to lie, but I do think that Kyle Shanahan is able to kind of scheme uh, and coach these linemen up to where they're, they're not going to be out there with their pants around their ankles, looking like fools on every snap. Will they be caught off off guard or, uh, you know, kind of be taken by surprise or just outworked by more talented defensive linemen? Sure. Sure. Of course. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I don't think that, that they're going to be in position to where that happens to them every single snap, if that makes sense. Um, overall, I would argue that the DJ Jones injury is a little more 
important to this this team just because um although they do have a very very talented and and stocked stacked i should say defensive line dj jones is a huge part literally and metaphorically um now anthony we saw today for the first time in since he tore his acl jimmy garoppolo no knee brace do you think that that's good for him or bad for him for this upcoming year i'm not the biggest medical expert so if you correct me if i'm wrong that's fine but if a knee brace helps his knee in any way when it comes to taking a hit or moving around just for stability and keeping his knee safe, Jimmy G, wear the brace, dude. Don't give me a heart attack going into the middle of the season if you're taking it off. But nah, in all honesty, though, outside of my injury concerns, man, if he's not wearing the brace, if he's very confident in that knee, if he's been cleared by the team staff, if he's talked to his own doctors and stuff like that about, hey, should I wear the brace? Is it okay? Can I move forward with this? And they all say yes. And God forbid the team pulls a Washington football team on him like they know Trent Williams and says, ah, nah, you don't need the brace. You're fine. Who knows? But if, if he's getting clearance from these guys, man, to not wear the brace, then that is definitely a good thing. There's nothing more than you want to see out of your quarterback than confidence in, in a body part that he had very significant surgery on. And Matt Llewellyn will tell you all the time, oh, ACL injuries are nothing like how they used to be 10 to 15 years ago. Matt, there's still ACL injuries, bro. They need to stay safe. Damn, damn boomers. But uh, nah, man, confidence goes a long way when it comes to being healthy. And if he's showing a lot of physical health and mental health when it comes to that knee, and he's just confident in himself about that, it won't be a problem. I, I'm I'm kind of a weird believer where it's like if you don't think something is going to happen to you, even though you should kind of prepare for it, but if you don't think something is going to happen, it won't happen. Like if Jimmy Garoppolo is overthinking that knee and thinking, oh, I need to be careful, I need to you know be cautious about this, who knows, man. I think something will happen more often than not. But he's confident. He's playing without it. We got to see him play without it come regular season. But if he's going to start not wearing it now, I do think that is definitely a good step in the right direction. It's, I would say it's, it's more of a mental thing at this point, because if I remember what Matt said, that he doesn't really necessarily need to wear it anymore from a health standpoint, um, that it's more mental. And you've, you've seen him at times, I think specifically in that Vikings game where he took a couple of hits low and you would see him kind of coil up and, and, you know, either throw the ball too early or just just really unnatural movements due to fear and and out of reaction to protecting his knee because it just got blown out, you know, recently. So he, I think it's more of a mental thing that he was still wearing it, and I do think that it says a lot that he will not be wearing it now, um, and I think that he will have a better year. I think it'll allow him to kind of play more freely, if that makes sense. He won't be kind of held back by. His, his thoughts and and it could be a double-edged short. He could be thinking, you know what? I'm not wearing my knee brace anymore. What if I get hit? And then he's overthinking things. But personally, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we'll see a more comfortable and, and free Jimmy Garoppolo and somebody who's able to kind of just make the throws that he wasn't really able to make. And you may sound like, or you may think like, wow, Zach, all of this from a knee brace. It's a lot that goes into it. I, I don't know how much of football I would say maybe at least 50% of football, especially as a quarterback, is mental. 
It's all mental. Do you think you can make that throw? Do you think you could fit in between these defenders in that tight window? Uh, do you think you can outrun this defender? Whatever the case may be, a lot of it is mental. So the fact that he's made the choice and felt comfortable enough to remove it, I think says a lot about where his his mentality is on how he's feeling out there on the field. Um, it'll be a too, lot different. Go ahead. Someone said too, before I cut you off, is that he was stepping into those deep throws more too. When you talk about mental – is that something that he's thinking like, man, I got confidence in this knee. I got confidence in my physicality regarding the quarterback position. Can I step into these throws more and really not, not that he doesn't put effort into it, but really go and make a big throw and be confident about it. He doesn't got that brace on anymore, man. Like I said, someone in training camp said that he's really stepping into these throws more than he was last season. And yeah, last season, you know, regular games. It is what it is. But if he's if he's making that change now, when it comes to this type of thing in terms of stepping in the throws, if he's doing that now, and he transfers that into the regular season, that is a huge step in his confidence and his dynamic as a quarterback. So yeah, I agree with you, man. It's definitely a mental thing at this point. And if he doesn't have the brace on, if he's confident in just something as simple as stepping in the throws, that could go a long way for beating teams at a more comfortable score. It's, it's going to be huge. Um, I think that he could be, although at times their X factor and, and the reason why they win games, but he could also hold them back. Um, I know a lot of 49ers fans don't want to hear it, but he's inexperienced at the end of the day. He's inexperienced. Kyle Shanahan, as much as he wants to say they were running it so many yards per carry. Why would I not throw it? There's times where even me and we were at that championship game, Anthony. We even I, we would kind of look at each other like they're really not going to throw it, huh? Like, all right, and the twelfth straight run, okay, wow. I mean, they're averaging twelve yards a carry, so why not? But I don't know. It, it seemed a little weird. So I do think that a more comfortable and and improved Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is going to sound like such an obvious statement, but it's better for the 49ers as a whole. The running backs don't get as many carries. They're not as beat up. Uh, you know, they're maybe they get bigger yardage plays, chunks of yardage at a time. So I'm just super excited to see it. I'm always the guy who have has wanted the 49ers to be an aerial attack team since I was like a kid. Um, I always love the passing teams, the passing offenses. Although running, as I've gotten older, I think the running game is just a complete work of art and it's beautiful to watch happen. But you can't deny that passing in the NFL, huge passing plays. It's just so exciting. It makes you jump off out your couch and, and just yell. So I'm super excited to see it, especially since they added Brandon Ayuk, who is fantastic. I think I saw from uh, Pro Football Focus, he was the only college receiver that year to not drop a pass for 20 yards or more. Um, so that that's just crazy. The 49ers got their guy. Cal Shanahan has said he's their number one, and I'm getting off topic here a little bit. But just think, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, there are all these guys, um, uh, gosh, Henry Ruggs. There are all these guys that everybody was touting as a number one receiver. And here's Kyle Shanahan kind of sitting back, licking his chops at knowing Brandon Ayuk's going to be there at the end of the first round. So it's, you just got to be excited about it. Um, now moving on, Anthony, the battle we've all been waiting to see in 49ers training camp has to be Nick Bosa against Trent Williams. Uh, today, it was reported that Nick Bosa went 0 for 4 in their one-on-one -on -one reps against Trent Williams. Who do you think that speaks more to? 
I think it tells me that Nick Bosa got drafted too high. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. <laughs> it tells me that Trent Williams is still at the top of his game even after not playing. I think we can safely agree that Nick Bosa is arguably a top five defensive end, maybe at that number five spot. Obviously, when it comes to defensive ends, you consider linebackers, like pass rushing linebackers in that position as well. So it's a very universal position. And you have someone like Aaron Donald, who is mostly an interior D lineman who plays on the edge as well. But more often, I mean, what else can I say other than I think Nick Bosa's top five? But in any event, though, like I said, Zach, this proves to me that Trent Williams is still at the top of his game. I definitely do not think that something like this, that these two dudes are not going at it at least at like 80%, 90%. Someone out there is telling them, hey, look, we want you guys to take it easy, but at the same time, do the reps right, get the proper work in, you know, do your job, but don't get hurt doing it. So I'm sure these guys were going a little light, but nonetheless, when Nick Bosa is going 0 for 4, Nick Bosa of all people, that's doesn't tell me that Nick Bosa is bad or that doesn't tell me that Nick Bosa isn't good or anything or or you know specifically it doesn't tell me that Nick Bosa cannot line up against very good tackles I think it just tells me that Nick Bosa is finally facing someone who is a true all pro who has all pro experience and who is arguably the best at his position and you know what everyone says man steel sharpens steel or you know some kind of quote along that line and this will definitely help Nick Nick Bosa improve in the long run. But I do think that with this one-on-one matchup, man, it is definitely more telling about Trent Williams than Nick Bosa. And if Trent Williams is shutting down Nick Bosa now, whoo, dude, I cannot wait to see him go up against like Aaron Donald or or any of the other elite pass rushers that we'll see in the season. Because after losing Joe Staley, man, we need to have a tackle that will stay on top of this game. And Trent Williams is exactly that. If he stays this way, man, if he's matching up against Nick Bosa, he's already proving to me that he can match up against any defensive end or linebacker, even if he's missed a decent amount of time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. This is more speaking to Trent Williams' talent than Nick Bosa's. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, Trent Williams, or excuse me, Nick Bosa is tremendously talented. We saw it all last season. His rookie year came out incredibly polished and just miles above the rest of the draft class um, as far as technique. But Trent Williams, he is a pro, man. This guy is, like you said, the best at his position. And with all due respect to 49ers legend Joe Staley, I think it just shows how much into the sunset he kind of already was last year, if you know what I mean. Um, He wasn't really the same Joe Staley all pro that the 49ers fans have been used to seeing. And uh, the fact that we're replacing him with Trent Williams. And I love that it's kind of going unnoticed as far as like the NFL world. The 49ers picked up a perennial left tackle. Do you understand how rare that is? And for what they gave up, they gave up peanuts to get this guy. Um, you could you could argue, sure, he may be a one-year rental, depending on if they're able to get the contract situation figured out after this season. Sure, that's fine. But even for a one-year rental, they were looking at being left with their pants around their ankles if Joe Staley retired and they're sitting there like, what do we do? Granted, they probably would have addressed it early on in the draft, but then that takes away from their ability to replace other positions of need, like replacing DeForest Buckner, like replacing Emmanuel Sanders. So the fact that they were able to replace it with Trent Williams is huge. And it just speaks to how talented and, and just smart 
football savvy this coaching staff is. Uh, but back to the original question. Sorry, I got off track a little bit. Bosa versus Williams. Williams is fantastic. Bosa was asked about this in the press conference, and he said, essentially, I have no doubt in my mind that Jimmy's left side is going to be completely protected. He's not going to have to worry about that one bit. Um, obviously joking that, you know, he kind of got, he had, has his hands full with Trent Williams in practice. Um, but everybody had been waiting for this battle. Everybody had been talking about where's the Bosa versus Williams pictures, where they at? I want to see them. So it was really cool to see that. And maybe next time Bosa will win one. Who knows? But for now, Trent Williams is definitely keeping that upper hand. Um, sticking on the topic of the 49ers offensive line, how much stronger will that left side be? this year versus the last year with Joe Staley in there. Again, with all due respect to Joe Staley. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, man, and this isn't trying to knock the right side of the line, but Mike McGlinchey needs to improve as a pass protector because he did get beat a handful of times this past season. Right guard is still a big question mark, too. We got to see if Daniel Brunskill is going to get the start there and if he can hold up, or is it going to be Tom Compton or – Ben Garland, he's interchangeable at the guard position, but I know even though he got hurt, he's been taking the majority of the snaps at center. But I also heard Daniel Brunskill is taking snaps at center as well. So that guard position is up for grabs, man. And obviously center, because I think they're bringing in Daniel Kilgore too for a tryout. Center is a big question mark as well. But if we're talking about the the left side specifically, man, if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm just – I'm rolling out to his left every single time. I'm stacking the protection on the right side just to make sure no one hits that right side blind spot, man. Just roll out to the left, let Trey Williams and Lincoln Tomlinson do the job because that right side is a little iffy, man. But the left side, dude, like you said the best, we're going from a at least a Niners Hall of Famer, arguably pro football Hall of Famer in Joe Staley, to one of the best tackles of all of time in Trent Williams. So, Joe, you know, Joe Staley is already up here or was up here, and then Trent Williams is – off the camera that's how good he is so simply put man the left side of the line will dramatically get better than how it was with joe staley that's not even to knock joe staley it's just trent williams is even better than what joe staley was real quick you're talking about where joe staley was last year not at his peak right man dude i it feels like to me that peak trent williams I, I think he is a step above peak Joe Staley, but shoot, I would probably have to watch an old Staley film because it's been a while and, you know, tackles slowly declined. So this past season with Joe Staley was a little tough to watch even before and after the injury, but you got to figure that the Trent Williams we're going to get now is by and far better than the Joe Staley that we had last season. But Hey man, don't put me in that position. I, I love Joe Staley too much to have to pick between him and Trent Williams, but it's up for a debate, but yeah, Zach, I, I'm in love with Trent Williams. He's fantastic. They got him for peanuts on peanuts, man, the third and the fifth round pick. And one-year rental or not, you don't just go out and acquire a top three tackle in the league and call it a day. This is something you have in the works for a long time, and it's the fact that the Niners got it done for a player at you know top three in his position is unbelievable. So – I think that the Niners, especially the offensive line, and it's not, again, not that it was bad with Joe Staley, but we saw how he was. He definitely wasn't the Joe Staley he used to be. So I think you get someone like Trent Williams who can be the heart and soul of the offensive line like Staley was 
who can bring that veteran leadership and bring that that champion mentality or, or at least that dog mentality to the line that I don't think it lacks, but I definitely think it could use a, a jolt of energy. And that's what Trent Williams brings. And it's just like what Staley did. You know, Staley was like the George Kittle of the offensive line, and I think Trent Williams can be that guy exactly. So, yeah, getting Williams, man, it isn't just better for the left side. It's it's better for the entire unit. I just had to make sure you weren't talking about Joe Staley at his prime versus Trent Williams at his prime. But I think that's a conversation for another day regardless. Um, I think this left side of the offensive line is going to be miles better than it was last season. Um, like you said, if I was Jimmy Garoppolo, just – take the snap, take that five-step drop back and run to your left because you're going to be protected. You're going to have all day over there. So uh, I agree. Mike McGlinchey does need to step it up. I think uh, he talked about it himself today that, you know, he, he feels that he needs to make these improvements from last season. Um, and I think he will. I think he will. He seems like a guy who's committed to his craft. So hopefully at the end of the day, at the end of the year, I should say the offensive line as a whole will come together and start gelling. And there won't be one side that's significantly better than the other um last question for you anthony before we go into the rgs mailbag who will be the most improved player this year on the 49ers okay before i before i give you my answer i want to ask you is yours offensive or defensive defensive okay i'm gonna go offensive then man if he makes if he makes the cut and he's having a good offseason or a good training camp right now if he makes the cut you already know who I'm going to say, man. I want Dante Pettis to be that most improved guy. And for me, most improved doesn't have to be 1,000 yards, 10-plus touchdowns. It has to be this guy is going out there. He's coming in the clutch. He's not blowing his routes. He's not blowing any type of assignment on offense. He knows what he has to do. He's doing it right. He's executing. And he's getting the ball, and he's making plays. And we saw Dante Pettis' rookie year be that guy. And Pettis didn't get the ball much this past season, but the couple times he did, he caught that huge touchdown against the Steelers, and he caught a solid touchdown against the Cardinals on Halloween. And, yeah, maybe the play was designed for him to get wide open, but the point being is that he ran and executed that play very well. If he can come back this season even stronger, and I've been hearing a lot about how confident he is at making catches over the middle of the field, if he can bring that type of confidence to his receiving ability and to just him as a wide receiver, I think the Niners just got the top 10 wide receiver unit in the league. And that's without any veterans. That's without any all pros. This is with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Taylor, and Pettis. And yeah, Shanahan does have a lot to do with getting the most out of his wide receivers. But Shanahan's playbook is one of the hardest to learn in the league. Every player in the past 10, 15 years that's had him as an O coordinator will tell you that his playbook is not easy to learn, especially as a rookie or especially as a newcomer. And for Pettis... I think he does understand the playbook. I think he does understand the game and the nuance and all that. He just needs the confidence. And if we're hearing him have that type of confidence in himself now, especially when he's making catches over the middle of the field, which was his biggest knock this past season, if he's doing that now and he brings that into the regular season, he he could finish as the leading receiver. Who knows? I That could be his ceiling. But right now, man, his confidence will go a long way into the offensive success. It will go a long way for his rapper with Jimmy Garoppolo. And if he's confident, I think he'll be the most improved player. Lead the team in receiving. Wow, that's a, that's lofty praise for, for Dante Pettis. Um, I love it. I do think he'll have an improved year. But for me, like I said, I'm going with the defense. I'm going with Akello. 
I think Akello is going to come back, man. I think he's going to bounce back. You could argue they're the exact same player on different sides of the ball. Um, they both flashed briefly and then they kind of had a slump. Um, but I think Akello is going to return. He's kind of been out there. And I was watching, uh, I forget which of the beat reporters they, they did a live and I was ta- watching it and they kind of said, although it looks like he understands that he's been, he didn't play up to, up to standards last season. Um, he, he looks like he's kind of taking it really seriously and he's, he's in his zone. He looks kind of angry. And I think that that's the type of mentality we need from him in order to come out playing really well. Uh, we've heard reports that they're trying to start, or they're at least testing around with Jason Barrett opposite of Richard Sherman. Um, so I think maybe Akello might start to feel like he's literally losing his job. I think they're, they're trying to give it to literally anybody else um, because they're saying, you know, like, take this. We don't want him to have it. And I need to see Akello snatch that job back and say, look, this is mine. I'm going to start here. This is my side of the field and I'm going to lock it down. Uh, my man, Jose Sanchez of, of Sports Illustrated said it best on a recent uh, Periscope he did. You don't just shut down Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin and then you just lose that talent. That's still there. He completely locked those guys down at, at times during the 49ers game against the Bucks last season. That just doesn't disappear. You know what I mean? You just don't lose that talent overnight. It's still in there. And as much we talked about it with Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as it is a mental game with him, it's a mental game with these two players that we're talking about right now with Dante Pettis and Akello. So I would love to see them both bounce back because if they do, this 49ers got a, a really, really promising young core that's coming together at the perfect time to kind of keep this Super Bowl window nice and open. Um, so Anthony's got Dante. I got Akello. Guys, I think we'll revisit this in a couple of months into the football season, and we'll see where our predictions are at. Now we're going to go ahead and move into our RGS mailbag question. But real quick, I just want to say, guys, this episode is brought to you by the 49ers Hive Teespring store. The link will be in the description below. Make sure you guys go and check it out. Um, we have tons of designs on there available in men's, women's, T-shirts, tanks. We will have more sizes and tank tops coming soon, hoodies, you name it. We even have face masks. So go and get you guys some 49ers Hive custom merch. Um, it'll be in the link in the description below. And if you go to Teespring and just search 49ers Hive, one word, it'll pop up. Teespring.com, search 49ers Hive. Make sure you guys get some cool custom merch. And if you guys use code RGS15, as in RGS15, you'll get 15% off of your purchase. Again, go to Teespring.com, search 49ers Hive, and use code RGS15 for your 15% discount. Now, moving on to our RGS mailbag, Anthony. Our first question is from our own Simon on Twitter. He wants to know between uh, Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, how's the offensive line looking? What do you think of it so far in training camp? It sounds like barring the injuries, the offensive line has been okay. I've been hearing more progress about the defensive line regarding like just their own training and kind of one-on-one matchups. Like, Bosa and Williams versus actual in-game duties. It sounds like Chris Kosierik is in the D-line is taking a tone down before they go and F up a bunch of other quarterbacks in the offensive linemen because I don't want D Ford and Bosa popping Garoppolo in practice, man. They, they got to stay away from him. But it sounds like both sides of the lines are doing okay. Uh, the injuries are tough to really 
the injuries are kind of tough to get a hang of, man. I want to see Rickberg on the offensive line. And I, it's not that I don't want to say Garland, but Rickberg healthy is arguably a top five center, at least at pass protecting. Rickberg is very good at his job, but he's going to be out for the first six weeks on the pub list. So yet is to be determined how Rickberg will be with a fully off, fully healthy offensive line, including the now added Trent Williams. So it is a big toss-up. I think if those guys on the D-line can stay healthy as well, this is a little separate. But if Armstead's back isn't an issue, if D Ford's knee operation holds up and he's all cleaned up and good, DJ Jones' shoulder injuries, whatever, then, yeah, I think we'll definitely see a top three defensive line once again. But as for this question, man, I do think the bigger question mark does have to be the offensive line. Can these guys stay healthy? Can these guys execute? And can these guys buy Jimmy Garoppolo at least five or six seconds. He already has a quick release, but damn, guys, let, let the play develop for the receivers. Let everyone else do the job. Just hold the guy. Just don't get flagged for it. Yeah, I think that the offensive line, the two bookends, essentially, Williams and McGlinchey, I think they're fine. I don't think that they're necessarily in question, but the interior, it was bad going back to last season at times. Um, so I think the 49ers, especially now that they have some injuries at center, um, hopefully they're not left scratching their heads and just kind of rolling with what they have because it could get ugly. They got, you know, Aaron Donald twice a year and he always, he always eats Aaron always eats when the 49ers face him. They do hold him sometimes in check, but it, it's going to be tough if they're playing with second and third stringers and guys that are playing out of position for the first time. Um, but for the most part, I do have faith in guys like, you know, Brunskill and, and even school out there. I don't think he's starting anywhere, but you know, he, he played well at times last season. So I think if the 49ers can just kind of stand pat and hold their own until Weston, which does come back, I think they will be okay because so far I think the, the 49ers offensive line has done all right. I think they'll do just enough to get by until they're healthy. Um, and if not, maybe we'll see a trade like we saw last season for Emmanuel Sanders uh, in the mid middle of the year. If the if the coaching staff and front office isn't pleased with what they have, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. Um, next question for you, Anthony, is from Eric White on Twitter, and he wants to know if there will be any difference in the NFL as far as streaming games in the times of COVID. I noticed. I don't know if the, so. Like this is a separate sport, obviously, but. but. I don't know if the NBA has always let you watch games on the app. So, like, on the NBA app on my phone, you can, like, click on it, and it'll let you watch for free. And you don't even have to put, like, your cable provider in. You can just hit, like, like backboard camera, frontboard camera, or mosaic, which shows all four cameras. So the NBA is doing that, but I've been hearing their viewership is down, so that could be why they're doing it. Man, dude, when it comes to football – they are really stingy about people who can watch your games. They don't black out games. But, man, if you want to watch, I don't know, Jags and Colts, you have to have NFL Game Pass. So when it comes to streaming, I think they'll still do the um, – you know how they did free Thursday night streams? I know on Thursdays they let you stream it on the NFL app every Thursday. I think they'll still do that, which will be pretty nice. If they have Saturday games reportedly, maybe the Saturday games will be free streaming. Who knows? I think the door is wide open for the NFL. But if they do do any kind of free streaming services, I think they'll wait after the first few weeks just to see 
just to see how they can get a gauge on what the viewership is like for you know the NFL in general. So I guess it depends, but right now I, I wouldn't say anything would be changing too dramatic regarding the streaming service, unless you want to find an illegal streaming service because I know thousands of people like to do that. Not that I know any personally, but you know. I saw that. I think that was the first reply to this to this question on Twitter was you just got to get it, you know, bootlegged because they're not going to budge. And I really don't think the NFL will. They are extremely strict when it comes to uh, live streams and, and stuff like that. But I just think that if there were ever a time to kind of loosen that grip on who can watch what games, it's now when fans literally can't go to these games for the most part. You're going to tell them they can't even watch. You know, they, we have 49ers fans. We have members of 49ers Hive that don't even live in the country. You know, like how easy would it be to just allow them to stream it on Twitter, stream it on, you know, YouTube, stream it on whatever the case may be. And I remember uh, when I looked up some research for this question before we, we recorded, and I saw that at the 49ers uh, divisional game, I believe the YouTube, one of the heads of YouTube was meeting with Roger Goodell. So it could be possible that they were discussing, even before all this COVID started, maybe, hey, we could get together with YouTube and start streaming some games, whatever the case may be. But unfortunately, as of right now, they haven't come out and said anything about changing their stance on, on allowing platforms to stream their games for free. And it, it's just a money grab, unfortunately. That's really what it comes down to, licensing and, and money. But they're going to have to because they're going to be suffering some major hits as far as people not watching because they can't find their team. They can't go to the games. So it's just – and, you know, NFL Sunday ticket is just not feasible for so many people. It's way too expensive. What if people don't have direct TV? I mean, there's a list of reasons as to why you shouldn't get NFL ticket – Sunday ticket, I should say. So it's just – it's unfortunate. Personally, I hope they, they loosen up their grip, but – I can't say for certainty that they will. Um, next question, Anthony, comes from our guy Zay Ward on Twitter, and he wants to know if Debo starts the season, will we see three different 49ers finish with 1,000 yards receiving? Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. I think if Debo doesn't miss any games, I think he could reach out, Mark, just because of how friendly the offense is in terms of know wide receiver usage i mean we'll probably get a game where dante pettis is going to break 100 yards or we'll get a game where kendrick Bourne is going to break 100 yards and Debo and Ayuk will only get like 30 or 40 and that's not to say they're having a bad game but it could just be game plan so i think that's a that's a really tough question to answer because shanahan loves all the guys he puts out there on offense i think we can say for certain kittle will be up there to get a thousand you know, if I had to switch a question around and say, can Ayuk and Debo each get a thousand yards from scrimmage? So not just rush, uh, not just receiving, but rushing also, because we saw Debo take a good amount of end rounds for 10, 20 plus yards. We saw him take it for a touchdown in the Seattle game, if I'm not mistaken. So I could see them each totally getting a thousand yards from scrimmage at least, but I don't think both guys will necessarily get a thousand. Again, if Debo is healthy and everything's fine with the foot, I think so. Ayuk has been progressing nicely. We've been hearing all kinds of praise about how well he's taking in, taking on the playbook and how well he's doing in camp. Shanahan said he pretty much looks like a veteran out there. So I think Ayuk is definitely capable of breaking 1,000. But again, once the season starts, 
Shanahan's playbook isn't exactly favorable for rookies, and Debo Samuel even said that himself. So I'm not going to say Ayuk will struggle, but I do think 1,000 yards may not come easy. So it'll be tough for all three of these guys to do it, but I do have more confidence in Debo and Kittle, at, at least those two both doing it themselves. Yeah, 100%. Um, but if he comes back week one, don't expect Debo to be 100%. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be the same Debo right away. I think it's going to take some time to kind of get back to his old self. Um, if he does, if he is there week one against Cardinals, I think there's a good chance that he rushed it just a tad bit to be out there by then. So he might not even be fully healthy, might cut into that yardage a bit. Um, but I agree with you. It's a, it's a really tough. We've seen it twice now with, with, uh, rookie receivers, Dante Pettis and Debo. They didn't catch on to the system until halfway through their rookie year. I think if the 49ers knew what they had in Debo, they wouldn't have traded for Emmanuel Sanders last season. Um, I think that he didn't come on until later on in the year. And maybe if they were just a little more patient, they probably wouldn't have had to give up what they gave up to get Emmanuel Sanders. And although it wasn't much, this team is kind of strapped for picks. So, you know, um, I just don't see IU getting a thousand. I do think he has a really good rookie year, but I mean, we're talking like OBJ type numbers for a rookie to get a thousand yards. And you just got to understand how rare that really is in the NFL. Um, especially with how many mouths there are to feed, so to speak with George Kittle, uh, you know, Debo, all, all these guys, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, we keep naming them. That's a lot of yard mouths to feed. And each mouth is yards being taken out of someone's total. And not like these guys are being selfish and want the yards for themselves. But at the same time, you got to understand that that means that somebody else isn't getting those, those yards. So I would say no, but he's still going to have a good rookie year. Uh, next question is from Van Garen on Twitter. And I think this is kind of a joke, but at the same time, are there any Pro Bowl centers out there likely due to the injuries that the 49ers are dealing with? One of the Pro Bowl centers I know is currently on the physically unable to perform list, and that's Weston Rickberg. So I I think getting a Pro Bowl center or even acquiring a mid-tier average starting center to be in with is not easy. And it's not to say that the center position is the hardest to play on the offensive line, but centers and quarterbacks are like best friends. Those two go hand-in-hand more than any other position duo on the team. So it's not easy to go out and just acquire a center. Maybe it is a questionable or a jokingly put out question. But either way, I think it is. I, I It's an interesting question because, look, the team's going after Daniel Kilgore. Ben Garland just got hurt. Brunskill's trying out at center. I feel bad for Jimmy Garoppolo, man. This guy's just switching in and switching out on center all the time. He's having to learn all the different cadences, understanding how his center operates. And as a quarterback, it's not easy. We've seen what happens plenty of times when the backup center is in and the ball gets snapped over the quarterback's head. That happened with uh, Seattle this past season when I think they had Joe, Joey Hunt is his name, who's at center, who DJ Jones blew up. If I'm not mistaken, he was the backup center and he'd snap the ball over Wilson's head. And it happens. But it specifically happens when quarterbacks and centers are not on the same page. So it is definitely a unique situation to be in for the team. I do feel for Garoppolo, man, because he just we need more consistency at the center position when it comes to health. It was nice that Ben Garland played a lot of last season, but he's hurt now. How healthy can he be? Now it's a question we have to think of. And obviously they're reaching out for more centers. So it, it's definitely tough, man. We just 
that's probably one of the that that now feels like the biggest question mark on the team over almost any other position. So it, it's important. No, I don't think there's any other Pro Bowl centers out there, but them going after someone like Kilgore and them trying him out does say a lot about how they feel about that position right now. Yeah, I I mean the only I have two names for you and one you just talked about Daniel Kilgore. He I don't remember if he ever made the Pro Bowl, but he did play at a really high level I think last year when he was with Miami. Um so or at least relatively high and I think he'd be worth bringing in. You could probably get him for cheap um and he would be a nice stopgap until you get Weston Richburg back. But also and this may be a little bit out there, Alex Mack I mean, he's with he's been with Kyle Shanahan before. Um, he's the type of center Kyle Shanahan loves, and he may be available again for cheap. You may have to give up a pick or two, but I think if you come calling, the Falcons may do Shanahan a favor and send Alex Mack over. And I mean, then you have the question of what do you do with Wes Richburg when he comes back? But you know, hey, that's fine. That's a good problem to have. Too many good centers. I mean, especially with COVID. You can never have too deep of a roster in today's NFL. So those are the two names I would give up. Daniel Kilgore and Alex Mack. Uh, they would get, cost a little bit in, in two different ways, but they would both be worth it. Uh, next question is from Mike Leach on Instagram. Why do critics think Jimmy Garoppolo has something to prove to them? Because he finally played a full season, and now we get to see who Jimmy Garoppolo really is. He knows Kyle Shanahan's system now for the most part. He finally has good receiving weapons at his disposal in Brandon Ayuk, a more developed Debo Samuel, on top of getting Trent Taylor back and guys like Bourne and Pettis and even Jawan Jennings who are all developing. Garoppolo has a lot of weapons at his disposal, and now is the season for him to really go out there and prove can he be the guy. I think he's due for a contract in two seasons, and that, that contract is going to come up fast. Jimmy Garoppolo is the type of quarterback who will last you 10-plus years because of his pocket ability, his mobility within the pocket to keep plays alive, alive and keep him safe, pretty much. So Garoppolo has a lot to prove if he wants that next big payday. I think if and when he gets it, he won't be a top-five paid quarterback, but he, he nonetheless will get paid a lot of money again. So it, it's really telling, man. But I think they just go at him because – He's so heavily praised because of everything he's done and how he does look on film when he's at his peak. He plays like a very good quarterback, but when he's at his lowest, man, it's like he he looks like a backup out there. That's how bad it can be sometimes. So I think when you're this quarterback who whose level of play can be up here, but whose level of play can also be down here at times, it's just the door is open for him to get ragged, man. And I think that's what, that's what kind of makes him susceptible to getting – can more often than not by the media. I'm going to say this, and I don't think it's going to be popular. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think people want to hear this, but I think that critics think he has something to prove because he does. I've said it a few times in this podcast alone. He's inexperienced. He's young when it comes to starting as a quarterback in the NFL. And we've seen good from him. We've also seen a lot of bad. We've seen some completely boneheaded interceptions where he's throwing it straight to a linebacker, straight to a safety. What are you doing with that throw? Um, so I think that critics, and I th let me put, let me say this real quick. There's a difference between people who are 
genuinely critiquing his play and his game and people who just hate the guy and don't really care, don't want to see the positives in his game. I think the people that are critiquing his game genuinely want to see that more balanced play. They don't want to see, like you just said, the high, high peaks and the really, really low valleys. They want to see a little bit more of a leveled, you know, normal road to where he's not going up and down so much. And then they'll kind of say, okay, we can welcome this guy to the top 15 club or, you know, however high you want to rake him. But until then, they're going to keep saying there are these question marks with these with this guy. Is he going to still keep making these boneheaded mistakes? Um, is this because he's young, or is this just who he is as a quarterback? Um, can he does he just not have a good deep throw, or is this something he can work on as he gets more comfortable as a starter? Um, so there are these questions that do still need to be answered. And as much as us 49ers fans don't want to hear it and don't want to believe it. There are things worth critiquing with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not Joe Montana. He's not Steve Young. He's a young quarterback who has really, really good potential, but he's not quite there yet. So let's just pump the brakes. Let's allow him to get there before we're, we're crowning him. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but he still has stuff to prove in order to be considered a great quarterback and a top five, you know, top three elite quarterback. And I'll leave it at that. Um, second to last RGS mailback question is from Lamborghini. Uh, forgive me if I mispronounce this Lameteer on Instagram, Dante Pettis, a thousand yards receiving. Is that realistic or no? No, just because like you said, there's so many mouths to feed on this team. Debo's going to come back and eat. Ayuk is going to eat. Bourne's going to get his load. The tight ends will get their load like George Kittle. And we're not even talking about the running backs, too, dude. Jerick McKinnon is going to be back, and he's a pass-catching nightmare out of the backfield. That's something we didn't talk about too much. But if he's healthy, man, McKinnon is basically like the wide receiver version of a running back when he's healthy. Moster can get the ball as well. We've seen Jeff Wilson make some nice catches. Everyone can catch the ball on this team. So, sadly, my heart says no. Well, my brain says no. My heart wants to say yes, but the realistic side of it is no. But I will say this. I think if Pettis comes back and he comes back confident, I think his ceiling this season will be at the 800-yard mark. And that, that's even pushing it. But seven to 800, I think that can be Pettis' ceiling, barring him getting put in doghouse or injured. Wow, that, that, that's high. Um, I would say no. Um, strictly same reason as you. Too many mouths to feed. But I would say he's going to have a good year, and I would say 500 yards minimum. Um, I do think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to stay out of that doghouse, and I think the 49ers are going to be very pleased with him. We've already saw Coach Shanahan today as we're recording this. Um, he was praising him and saying this is the best we've seen him in camp. He looks like he showed up uh, more in shape than he was last season, so he appears to be taking it a lot more seriously, which is fantastic to hear as a Dante Pettis fan um real quick you said I just thought it was funny we got a wide receiver styled running back in Jarek McKinnon and we got a running back styled wide receiver in Debo Samuel I just think that's kind of funny the contrast of the two um all right last question Eric Hernandez DJ Browntown on Instagram which team poses the biggest regular season threat and why 
this would be a really good like topic for another episode and i think i'm going to shout out eric right now it'll be my standard shout out right now because that's a really good question that i think we can definitely talk about another time but just to give you the short rundown answer of it if i had to pick the biggest threat for the regular season i think it has to be the saints man and i wouldn't be surprised if we see the saints in the championship game or at the least if we see them in the playoffs because quite frankly we should have saw them in the playoffs this past season, and they got robbed by a bad call against the Vikings, nonetheless, of course. But out of all the NFL or all the, out of all the NFC teams, I'm sorry, out of all of them, I definitely do think it's the Saints, man. They are complete. They had another very good draft. They drafted interior offensive lineman Cesar Ruiz to replace. Uh, I don't think it was Andrews Pete, but they, I know they replaced another lineman who I think retired. So they just fixed a hole on the offensive line immediately. You have Drew Brees, whose arm talent may be dropping slightly, at least the power, but the accuracy and everything else is still there. The mental processing is there. When you're a quarterback like him, that's kind of all you really need. And you just bring back a pretty solid defense, a very potent offense, and you have a playoff threat. So if I had to pick the biggest threat, man, I think I'm going to roll with the Saints. That's... That's a good answer because going over the schedule right now, have it in front of me, and it's like, who would you really pick? I mean, Arizona, the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, and then the Saints, the Rams again, the Bills, Washington, Dallas, and then the Cardinals and Seahawks again. So it's like, out of those teams, I don't want to say that they're all trash, that, but as far as the biggest threat, it's got to be the Saints as to who matches up the best. Um, although I do think that Arizona will give the 49ers fits this year, I don't think they're going to be the biggest threat. Um, I don't think that they necessarily match up with the rest of the NFL really well. I just think that they're built to play within their division. Um, but I just, it's got to be the Saints, man. They, they added Emmanuel Sanders. They didn't lose any really huge pieces you could argue drew Brees is is another year older but he still has it and with the weapons that they have surrounding him he doesn't really need to be the drew Brees of five ten years ago where he was throwing you know these deep passes you know throwing for like five thousand yards all these crazy numbers he can kind of relax a little bit and they could still have success so it's it's got to be the saints and we saw that shootout in the superdome last year I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar style game this year when the 49ers face off against New Orleans. So it's going to be a hell of a game to watch. That's for sure. Um, But I think that's going to do it for us today, guys. I really do appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Running Gold Standard podcast. If you guys like what you hear, please, please do us a solid. Leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening. Um, Whatever, if they're able to leave reviews, please do so. They really, really do help us out. It may seem kind of trivial, but believe me, it really does help. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button. Comment your thoughts below. Uh, what do you think about what we talked about? Who, What kind of stood out to you the most? Jimmy G, is he going to have a big year? Dante Pettis, do you agree with Anthony? He's going to be the most improved player. Do you agree with me? Akello might be the most improved player. There's so much we talked about, guys. Make sure you share your thoughts below. And also, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Um, you could follow me at Zach Hernan. Anthony, go ahead and let the folks know where to find you. All right, guys. As is the case, I finally did it right this time. Right down there, Perry underscore 49ers on 
Twitter, that's P-E-R-R-Y underscore four nine E-R-S. All right, guys, go ahead and hit that follow button. And also go and check out 49ershype.com. We're getting some articles up there all the time. We got our YouTube page up there as well. We are trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. We are just shy of 850. Once we get to 1,000, we will be giving away another 49ers jersey. It's like, how many times can we give these jerseys away? We're just selling them. Make sure you guys go and hit that subscribe button. And thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast.